Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard a Captain's Mindset podcast where we believe that everyone has the potential to become the captain of their own life. I'm your host, Kyle Freiberger, and after spending the majority of my life in the pursuit of becoming an airline captain, I realized that true happiness and satisfaction came from something much deeper than career success. At the age of 34, I took a leap of faith, left my perfect job to become an entrepreneur. This podcast is my way of helping people who feel stuck in life or even those who have achieved success but still feel unfulfilled. Together, we'll explore how to become the captain of your own life and a better leader for the people around you. I'm not perfect and I don't pretend to be. That's why this podcast is filled not only with my life lessons, but also with insights from other successful leaders in business and in everyday life. My goal is to help you unlock your potential and create a positive impact on the world around you. So buckle up and get ready to take control of your life. If you find value in this podcast, please subscribe and share it with other like-minded individuals. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy this episode of a Captain's Mindset Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode where we interview Craig Shearheart. Craig is the owner of Royal City Community Fitness, a, a gym in Guelph, Ontario, and is the host of the HealthSpan Academy podcast. He's a true leader in the health and fitness industry, and his passion for helping other people achieve their goals is second to none. On today's episode, we're going to dive into Craig's journey as an entrepreneur and explore the mindset and strategies that have enabled him to build a thriving business and impact the lives of his clients. We'll also discuss his approach to health and wellness and how he's helping people to become the captain, not only of their own life, but of their own health in the gym. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the intro. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. So, and I I know uh, you and I have talked a lot about longevity and this podcast is all about leadership. And there's a saying called, uh, you know, leaders lead from the inside out. So mm-hmm. why don't you run us through just a little bit about your methodology behind leadership and how leadership got you to, to where you are right now currently? Yeah. Um, I think it has to start with yourself. I think you have to, first of all, you have to kind of set the standard based on your, your actions ahead of all else. And, uh, so, and I think that kind of organically was just the case, small business owner, uh, you know, you start, you're, you're the everything you're the, you're the coach, you're the marketer, you're the recruiter, you're the onboarder, you're the janitor, the, you know, everything. Um, and then, uh, as time goes on, I think like my perspective was just starting to slowly replace myself, um, in those tasks. And, um, so in a big part of that is a like recruitment, you need the right people, I guess, and the right fit. And I think that starts with, uh, the core values of the people that you, you seek out. So mm-hmm. everything from the job description into the onboarding process, uh, people are only going to change so much. So they kind of need those prereqs to kind of, uh, set the tone, I think early, um, and then after that, I think it's like, it's communication. I think that's the the real key uh, that helps you understand the the strategies that people learn by, that they're inspired by. And uh, that tends to lend itself well. And the more you're communicating, the more you can kind of adapt your style of, of that kind of stuff. And um, so, you know, I, I meet with my staff individually still every week and uh, every week there's some little piece even if it's just like giving positive feedback getting people going um uh and then critiquing and then meeting once a month and kind of getting everyone's input making everyone feel a part of it feel a sense of ownership um and then 
I think that's kind of the, the gist of it. And then beyond that, it's just kind of X's and O's and person to person. It's going to vary a little differently how you, how you tend to lead them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about both leadership uh, on the business side and I think on the health side, because I think they're obviously both important. So cool. since you started off with kind of leading yourself, you, you spoke right away about how, you know, over time, your like who you are starts to just kind of take over. What do you mean by that? Um, in terms of leadership, I think you can, you just develop your own style, right? You like there's, there's books and concepts and all this stuff. Uh, and, uh, the business somewhat takes on your own personality and your vision. So it's going to have your own kind of flavor to it, whether you're, that's intentional or not. Um, and then you kind of have to be a bit of a chameleon in terms of how you communicate that. So you kind of have your, your layers, right? Your layers of your core of who you are. And then you kind of like next layer out, which is like, your behaviors and habits and that's kind of melds to the the person you're speaking to and, and the objectives that you have for them um so and i think that's 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 the key is kind of like going back to that every every once in a while and and sort of assessing you know how well is your vision aligning with the results and so maybe you tweak things maybe you tweak your systems um and revise things a little bit and revamp things and clean things up, make them more efficient. So, um, yeah, I think the personality just kind of like comes out somewhat organically, but there's a little bit of, uh, intention, I think behind that, the deeper you get into the, into the path. There's a saying that your business and your team is a mirror image of you as the leader, as the, the owner of the business, how much truth is there to that? Yeah, there's definitely truth to that. I think, um, I think that the interesting thing is that when you you first start something like this, you feel like you have to do everything. You just feel compelled to do everything. You have a bit of sense of control. You want it to succeed so badly that you you feel compelled to be heavily involved with every part of the process. And that letting go, I think, is is tricky. So um, I think the more you distance yourself from it, the more your staff kind of um, have their own influence in, in the face of the business. And that's kind of ultimately, I think that's the, the ultimate layer, right? The, the ultimate goal when you build a business is to have it survive without you. And um, yeah, as you remember, I had that incident in 2018 when I was in the hospital for like a week and then off work yeah. for a couple months. And that kind of resets your, your, your thinking, right? Like, can this place survive without me? And so, um, so that kind of took me to another level. Like I need to be able to not be there and the place will not completely end up in ruins uh after that so um, and how did you find how did you find everything like throughout that time like, uh, as far as your business it, it kept going um obviously it was still here yeah it was short term i think we were just kind of uh learning on the fly but it's uh everybody stepped up and i think that kind of opened my eyes a little bit and that people um you know when sort of crisis comes in, people will step up and do what they need to do to keep it rolling, especially if they care about the, the outcomes. And, um, so, and the members are great. So people are super supportive and that kind of reminds you of, you know, why you, you created this in the first place. It really is community support. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Uh, you know, people stepping up and, uh, you know, and, and I've been to your gym and I've, I was part of it for several years. I think it goes above and beyond just even in times of crisis. I think it's just people, feel like it's a family feel like it's a community and you know i just interviewed the guy that uh, uh he 
researched and dissected PayPal, like through the mm. early years before it actually became PayPal, interviewed mm -hmm. Elon Musk, all of those guys. And the one thing that he was talking about um, that him and I were talking about a little bit was like the idea of great cultures or great businesses. You ask the employees and it feels like a community or it feels like a family. And that's a word that they use often to describe it. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I um, uh, commend you for, for, you know, everything that you've put into that because I, I truly believe that it's a family. It feels like you don't want to leave and you want it to be successful. So um, switching back into the health side of things, how do you sure. define like, um, a, how do you, how do you define a proactive approach to health? And then how do you incorporate that into, you know, your approach in leadership? Yeah. So proactive, uh, or like prophylactic is kind of preventative measures. So that's kind of how I, I look at things. And I think people are so stuck in the moment and instant gratification. And I think social media has played a role in that. I think like just monkey see monkey do has played a, a role in that. Um, so, and I think that's probably why as a, a globally, we've gotten to this point where obesity is more the norm than fitness. So, um, I think, when we start to put on our proactive prophylactic line of thinking, um, there's a couple of layers to that. Like one is you start to get a clearer image of what your, your more mature years might look like. Right. So, uh, I think we, most of us just have our families and people that we've had in our lives as models. And we look at that and it's probably not that appealing in most cases, people are just, you know, disease, chronic disease are kind of taking a hold of people and the quality of life just tends to decline. Um, and we think like from an outside perspective, you know, what's the incentive of extending those years between 80 and hundred if they're not good years. But if, mm -hmm. if you think prophylactically and, 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 uh, think like, what are the things that I would want to have to be able to do or not have to do, but be able to do travel the world, rock climb, surf, uh, you know, play sports still, uh, play with your grandkids, whatever kind of the physical activity is that you you value at this point in your life that you want to be able to sustain for as long as you can. That's when your line of thinking starts to shift. And the cool bonus is that when you think like is is kind of like uh, reverse engineering what your habits need to look like today to sustain functionality for as long as possible, it improves what you're doing today too because it's all feeds into the same pot, right? Um, it just ends up being health habits. And, uh, and I think a lot of people see that as a little bit overwhelming, but when you look at it that way, you just build it into your life. And now I'm in a pretty good balance and it's not like I'm dreading going to the gym. I enjoy going to the gym. I have like, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see people there and it's like, or playing sports or whatever it happens to be. It's like, how often do you play a sport and people are like, man, this is terrible. And that's, they absolutely hate the sport. Like usually you feel good, right? You yeah. yeah and that kind of stuff. So, um, it changes the narrative and I think that gets you more inspired and then that becomes contagious. And I think that's part of the reason that Jim's done so well is that it's just, you see others doing it in real, real time and seeing the results they're getting. Um, so it's, it's a really powerful thing when you start to think down the road, um, in terms of what you want things to look like. And I think that's transferable to anything. I think people get lost in their, their financial goals and that kind of stuff and think like so short-term uh, gratification kind of thing. But if you can think, take a step back and look big picture, it changes the game. Mm -hmm. How subtle of a shift is that? Like, cause, cause what you're speaking to in, in my perspective is belief system, right? Like, it's just like, 
what do you believe? Do you believe you're going to die at 75 because, you know, your grandparents did and then your parents or maybe, or, or you know, whatever that, or, or maybe you have like some predispositions, some hereditary factors, whatever. Maybe you think you're doomed. So you just set this standard or this due date for yourself at 75 as, mm-hmm. a, as opposed to head for 125 and then, you know, aim somewhere higher than 75 at least. But yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you think that shift in belief can happen for people or what would you recommend? That's tricky, man. I mean, if your whole life you've been living in that fixed mindset where, you know, your parents are your future you, and that's what you've been led to believe this whole time. And there's nothing really that's shown you evidence. Otherwise, if you're picking up all the same habits and all the same tasks and that kind of stuff, and, uh, you know, living a similar lifestyle, that is what you're going to end up being. So you kind of have to break the mold. And, uh, and there's, there are multiple layers to it. There's your, you know, your personal values and beliefs and philosophy, your environment. Um, so it's, it's a, that in itself isn't like, I've never seen it work as like a band aid thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's a total shift and it has to happen one day at a time, one habit at a time. So you just kind of focus on what's in front of you and then you relate that to what's going on later on. And I think like having time to yourself to reflect on what your goals are and why they're important to you that kind of stuff it kind of just reminds you of that every day if it's done intentionally with the right kind of aspirations at the front of your 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 mind that it's going to change eventually and i think i think avoiding overwhelm can be tricky for some people if they think mm-hmm. like there's it's just a drastic change it'll never happen i think that's kind of like paralysis by analysis for a lot of people so you kind of have to think a little bit more specifically what's in front of me that I can change immediately that's going to make a change. And then how do I make that sustainable and then start to, to start stacking wins and move on to the next piece. Yeah. It's obviously unique to the individual, but there's two things that come to mind. Number one is, uh, you know, when you're talking about sports, there's like finding a sport that you want to play. Um, one of the things I want to do the rest of my life is golf. And Mm -hmm. obviously that's a a very demanding sport on your, uh, you know, extremities. But, uh, so I think a lot more about mobility and stuff, but, uh, the one thing that really helps me believe in how difficult my life could be is I look at people who are trying to golf, who can barely golf. Right. And then talking to them on the golf course about mm-hmm. their life and like, Oh, I wish I didn't do this. And I wish I didn't do that. And I just take all of that and I filtered away in my little, you know, my little uh, data center, I'm like, Oh, okay. So that guy wishes he didn't drink, you know, seven days a week and he wishes he actually stretched every day so um and then the other thing that comes to mind is one of my one one of favorite uh, analogies again is it's harder not to work out than it is to work out people think working out is hard yeah it's hard to go lift weights and it's hard to to feel sore the next day sure that sucks but it sucks more not to do that yeah of course right so weigh your pros and cons because if Mm -hmm. you think short term and you're just thinking oh well that's hard to do right now it's like yeah but it's not going to take long before you can't you know lift your grandkids or Mm -hmm. you know be able to go for a walk you know think about how sad that is so again i I, you know that whole belief system shift obviously it's very complex and individualized but I, i just think that it's i think it's so important for people to you know, and again, this podcast is about sharing perspectives, not about telling people what to do, but, mm-hmm. you know, the more insights you, we can give into how we view it. Um, and, and the other thing you talked about is shifting your surroundings as well. Right. Mm-hmm. But so how do you, um, 
you know, still in alignment with that, like, how do you motivate your clients at the gym to make positive changes in their health and fitness? Like, what do you think would be some of the things that you try to incorporate in? Uh, my role right now is I'm connected to the staff and the staff are connected to the members. So all of that boils down to, uh, what do I need my coaches demonstrating when they're in front of a class in that one hour? Cause the whole scope is, this is basically like subcontracting your health and fitness to us. Right. So the people are putting a lot of trust in us, um, with that. So, um, and everything's a bit of a balance. That doesn't mean you're living a perfect lifestyle. That doesn't mean, you know, you're not going out and drinking once in a while. If, if, you know, that's, that's in your life balance kind of scope mm-hmm. or that you're partying or have late nights once in a while, you're, you're, you know, you're not eating perfectly every meal. Um, so I think it's part of that human element to it, um, expressing that and once in a while showing a bit of vulnerability, it makes it more real to people. And I think that is a, is an important piece. You just, at the end of the day, you know, I think years ago that the, the, the standard as a coach was like, I need to be perfect or at least convince people that I'm perfect or the, why would they listen to me? So, whereas I think the more recent, um, piece is like kind of partnering where you're like, you're identifying with where the, the people are at. Um, so those are kind of the sub communications I think that happened the most part, the gym is about, it is what it is. Right. And people are going to read the newsletter if they read it. But the most part is just like making that hour the most beneficial to everybody that's there for mm-hmm. mental health, physical health and habits and inspiring people to come back. So um, just making it fun and loose and, you know, not letting anyone get too down about how they did and that kind of stuff. And just, you know, just making it the best hour of people's day if we can. That's kind of how, how we find to be most effective. The hardest, but the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that, and it's funny. And, and one of the other things that I know you do is, is or, or a lot of people at the gym, and I know it changed over COVID, but um, just like the the uh, celebrations at the end, right? Mm. Like everybody goes around, everybody high fives, everybody, you yeah, know, Yeah, we're starting to be able to do that again, which is kind of cool. Uh, used to be the distance high five. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. hard. It's hard if you don't get that, right? I know. And we're still kind of in a weird place where like not everybody's, I mean, most people are just trying to forget COVID ever happened, but not everyone's quite there. So there's still a few that are, you know, they prefer to stay in their lane and distance. And, and so that's like. Hard to a, blame them sometimes, right? Like yeah, for sure. And especially like, you know, the kind of authority people, the doctors, the physios, the therapists that are seeing patients up close and they're trying to stay distance and there are other kind of avenues of their life. And we have to be respectful of that. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, it, it is pretty cool. I think like having, you know, software to help with that sugar has been a big outlet for people and that's where we kind of connect to people we don't see in person too. So like giving little celebrations and thumbs up and uh, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff uh, digitally, that's been a big, big piece for us. One of the kind of positive outcomes, I think from the pandemic, um, obviously it doesn't replace what we do in person. Um, but then being able to do social things, we're still trying to, we're starting to build that back into. So that's where you can kind of like put more faces to the names and that kind of stuff with, uh, mm-hmm. people you don't work out with uh, regularly and like, how oh, you know, people are like, Oh my God, you're Alphonse. Like, I thought you were like 20 years old. And like, <laughs> yeah, no, he's actually in his sixties. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. There's a word that you mentioned earlier, and I always love digging into it just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Vulnerability. How, in, how important is vulnerability in leadership in your organization? Uh, it's important. I think, um, it, I mean, people relate to humans, right? And that's, uh, if you're not relatable, people are not going to see you on the same spectrum as them. 
I think that's kind of the, the separator. Um, so um, you obviously don't want to be a train wreck. Um, if you're trying to coach somebody and you're completely uh, like in tears and, and, <laughs> and losing your mind, they're not going to get much out of it. But the, a little element of that I think is important. Um, and that's something that uh, I'm not the most emotional person uh, just kind of in general. So that's something that I express kind of in other ways. I, I'm not mm-hmm. like, I try not to get too high or too low on anything. And I think that's almost become, uh, I may have shifted too far in that direction for like nitpicking, but I think vulnerability comes down to, um, relatability. And I think that those, as long as you have one I think you're okay. And I think relatability, if anything, is more important than vulnerability. So right. as long as you're saying things in a manner that people can relate to their lives, uh, you know, it's not like, otherwise people just on the outside think you've been handed everything and you haven't had to work hard and that you don't struggle the way that other people struggle. Um, so when you, you kind of do a bit of storytelling along those lines, uh, just open up a little bit, um, can go a long way. And for some more than others, right? Some people just want to know what they need to do. They just need the this is my protocol I need to follow and they're good with it. Um, some people, depending on the stage of their life might need kind of a more of a, a, an arm around their shoulder, whatever it happens to be. So that's part of being a chameleon in the kind of leadership, uh, like domain is you need to adapt to not only the person, but the person in that moment. Yeah. Another prime example of, uh, why leadership, like why leaders need to be so flexible and adaptable. So, Okay. And I, I love the fact that you used a couple of different words there, like vulnerability is what we, we were talking about, but then it's relatability and it's that balance. How do you meet people? How do you, how important is it to meet people where they're at in their journey, especially when you're coaching and, and even as a leader in your business? And then why is that so important? Yeah, that's honestly one of the trickiest things is that when you've, especially in wasn't going to ask easy questions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I love it. Um, so the further along you are in the path of whatever the avenue is, whether it's finances, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, uh, you know, being able to go back is, is tricky. I think it's useful. Uh, but it's, it's, it, when you're doing it repeatedly, it becomes even more tricky because there's a part of you that's thinking like, man, this is so basic, you know, just why, why are you here? You know what I mean? And then, cause especially if it's something that you never really struggled with. Right. So, um, that piece is tricky, uh, in terms of coaching. I think like a level of patience is really, really important. Um, and I think it's obviously way better if you've actually been through what they've been through, but, uh, you know, when we talk about adaptability, that doesn't mean you haven't been through your own challenges. And I think that's, um, that is really how empathy works, right? You, you, you never know exactly what this person has been through, but you've been through something similar. So you kind of put yourself in that mindset a little bit and think like, not necessarily what got you out of it from a, a specific standpoint, but in general, like what opened the door for you? Uh, from a concept standpoint, that could be an option that will help them get that door open and get their foot in the door to that next step. So it's um, it's a tricky thing, and it is super case by case. And I think it comes from asking the right questions and uh, and obviously caring. Like you're, mm-hmm. you, you can't replace 
Like that's something that AI will never have over us as coaches is that it's not going to care. It might tell you it cares, but it's not actually going to care. So yeah, uh, that authenticity ethic is, uh, is a huge, important piece of coaching. Absolutely. I uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, since this is all about leadership and you've, you've obviously gone through some lots of challenges. Uh, what's uh, one of the specific leadership challenges that you've gone through that you've faced, you've overcame, and what did you learn from it? Oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back a while for this one. So uh, you were probably only around in the gym for the kind of the tail end of this, but I really struggled with getting a good kind of reliable staff that would buy into my vision. And I think that was it. Was mostly just the people. I I think I trusted in people without knowing enough about them, without much of a screening process. Uh, you're kind of at the mercy of the people that are around you. Um, so I picked the people that I would think were the best options uh, at the time. Um, and there was some toxic relationships there. Uh, so in that, especially in a place like a gym where it's the everything is the relationships and mm -hmm. when the relationships are fractured or severed the whole gym suffers you know uh, everyone can sense that when you walk into there it's just tension that's that's like um unmistakable it's and it's just and it just doesn't feel right you know if even if people don't aware aren't aware of what's going on they're just like it doesn't feel comfortable um so um that was just one of those things where i had to find uh new people so we just kind of ended up over the course of a few years just cleaning house which was also tricky because you know there's people at the gym that had tight relationships with some of those people that it wasn't working out with well and we lost some of those people and um and i think that when that becomes the memory of the the experience you're written off right when people are like uh it was okay they you know they seem to know what they're talking about but i just never felt comfortable there like they're never coming back right you kind of mm -hmm. lose those people forever so i think that's one of the the things i took home was that you need to do your homework and really um be there every step of the way to mold this staff into not being uh like your minion or a reflection or a copy of you but a version of themselves that's going to express what needs to be expressed in a way that is going to be well received by the whole community so um that's probably the biggest piece i don't remember exactly what the question was but i think i may have answered <laughs> no, that's, at least part that's, of it there <laughs> that's perfect i am going to dig in just a wee bit um obviously it's again super complex mm -hmm. but in your experience, if you were to, to look back at all of that, or even in, you know, even um, in modern day, like, what lessons did you learn? Like, how do you, if you went back and did it all again, how do you, you know, you, you, you're a business owner, you're hiring people, how do you figure out, like, what extra steps would you take to figure out how to hire the right people, um, or, or at least maximize your chance of hiring the right people and i put that in quotations because the right people are the right people for you and your organization i think i would have put more effort into mentorship um i think in the early like when we opened crossfit was still relatively new and uh my the only models i had were kind of like mediocre gyms like would never survive today and they're both actually closed since then um and that was my, my standard was just like, I just need to be better than them. And I think, I think we, we surpassed that, but then, but then what, right? Like mm -hmm. it wasn't setting the bar high enough, I think from an early standpoint. And I think, um, 
having, and I did actually reach out to a few other gym owners around that time and they didn't really have much answers either. There wasn't like systems developed right then. There wasn't like a whole lot of policy around how they handle memberships and, you know, their troubleshooting kind of day to day and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I would probably spend more time digging in to find people that have been through that path. Um, and it gets, it's tricky when you've invested everything that you own and sold like literally every piece of valuables in your life just to get this place up and running. So money's hard to come by then, but I would find some way to, to find the right people to, to direct, direct us a little bit better. People that have been through that more recently kind of made similar mistakes and that kind of stuff. Um, Cause there was like, there were some forums and chats and that kind of stuff. But I think like having regular contact with someone that could serve as a primary mentor, I think would have been more valuable. And that probably would have got us ahead of where we're at today. If I look back on things. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, uh, and you know, I, I, um, I, uh, I love the fact that, you know, you've, you've, you've realized that, you know, you were setting your bar to be better than the other gyms, but then maybe that wasn't high enough. Um, and then there's this, this whole conversation around, you know, boundaries and expectations and, and standards. But if, if you could pick three character traits that you would look for in anybody that you hire, what would they be? Um, it's a great question. So, and this is, it's a long list as a coach. You kind of have to have everything, right? You need to be personable. You need to be you know, resourceful, you need to be confident, you need to be athletic, you need to be, um, you know, adaptable, on time, responsible, all those pieces. So um, I think if we think like the top three, I think knowledge can be acquired. So knowledge, I think we we think like, so I think curiosity, I think could probably be there. So uh, lending that into like ambition, I think that kind of something on that spectrum is important. You want people that are genuinely want to get better and and an ongoing basis. So have that bit of that, at least growth mindset to start because that's a tougher thing to coach. Um, and I think personable is really important. Um, at the, at the forefront of our scope is relationships and community building and that stuff. And if we don't get people that make other people feel comfortable in that setting, you're setting up for failure and the rest can kind of be learned. So I think, um, personability, um, if that's a word, um, and, sure. uh, <laughs> uh, and I think like ambition, I think are the, are the top two. And then beyond that, it's kind of like a, a split I'd say between, you know, technical ability, athleticism, uh, responsibility, those kind of things. I think Love kind it. Of take, take your choice. Yeah. I, I can't remember the book name, but there was a, it might've been like how to be a team player or something. Uh, I, I won't try and quote book names without knowing, but it was humble, hungry, smart. And I often think about those three things, but I do like the relatability, right. Or the ability to like build relationships. I think that that's like a, a modern day character trait. Not that it wasn't, you know, super important back in the day, but you could get away with a lot more back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think without building really authentic relationships. Uh, but I think, Nowadays, it's it's being able to relate and, and you know not judge each other and, and mm-hmm. be empathetic towards each other and and, uh, and and I think that's super important in, in any industry. So, for sure. uh, what advice would you give to people that are just starting out in their health journey? Um, 
you know, we talked a little bit about it before as far as longevity and proactiveness. And uh, we were talking about belief systems and we were talking about like trying not to get overwhelmed, like pick one thing. Like what advice would you give if somebody wanted to, to start making that shift right now at the most fundamental level, like what advice would you give them? Honestly, I would say similar to my own kind of journey with the business, I would say find yourself a coach, someone that uh, can direct you, someone that's been through that, that's seen, you know, the common mistakes and pitfalls, because I think left their own devices, um, most people will pick up a pair of running shoes and just start running. And because that's something that we can all, quote unquote, do. Um, maybe you do machines at the gym, something that's kind of low hanging. And then I think like, if you're not getting the right guidance in terms of programming technique, uh, load management, uh, you know, what, what they should be doing to start in an ongoing basis, because it changes rapidly too. And a coach will change and adapt with you. So I think like a, as cliche as that sounds, I think trying to do it all on your own, um, especially if you're going from like a sedentary lifestyle, it just doesn't last. And that's why, you know, New Year's, January, the gyms are full and then they're empty again by March, right? Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's just a cycle. So if you have a coach, someone's in your corner or someone that's, you know, that you're paying to kind of to keep that more skin in the game, it's going to be more important to you. Um, and you're much more likely to fall through with it. So, um, and what, whatever that discipline is, whether it's, you know, whether you're starting a sport, whether you're, you know, maybe you are doing machines, maybe it's a bodybuilding programming, maybe it's F45, maybe it's a CrossFit gym, whatever it happens to be someone that's just going to guide you through that someone that's aware of that's been in it for a while that's seen people succeed and fail and understand that process um and how to keep people rolling i think that's probably the advice i'd give is i think that's great advice man. Kind of mentor yeah yeah i think that modern again like in the modern day with all the technology and social media and online platforms and everything i think the number one thing people uh get stuck in is thinking about all of the work that they think they have to do mm -hmm. or the end result and how big that gap is between where they are and where they want to be. And instead of searching for somebody to help them, they're searching for like all of the process they have to go through. And in that research and in that trying to figure all of that out, they're making painful mistakes. It, it, it's, it's probably going to a lot of times be just like you're talking about the new year's resolutions. Like a lot of times it, becomes way bigger than you can, like you're biting off way more than you can, you can chew mm -hmm. versus somebody who's been through it. The point of that is that you're, you have number one, they have a lot of empathy because they've been through it. Mm -hmm. But number two is, you know, they understand that this stuff takes time and you have to first build the solid foundation and build on top of it. And the one thing that sticks out to me, especially going to your gym back in the day when I first started out, the first thing that I realized, because I'd been working out for a few years before that, just lifting, you know, throwing weights around, we'll call it. Uh, the first thing I realized, two things I realized, number one is my form was horrible. And number two, my form was horrible because I wasn't flexible. Mm. And to this day, I stretch 20 minutes every single morning, every single night. Like I'm, I am so flexible. And that if I ever skip a day of, uh, of stretching in the morning, it might happen like once in six months. Uh, I, I regret it. I, li I literally feel like, I, like I'm, I'm sore throughout the day and I've got aches and pains and I, you know, I, I probably yeah. pull a muscle. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I love that one. Um, 
you know, the idea of mental health and, and mindset, and, you know, we've been talking about it quite a bit, but how do you, how do you incorporate that into your wellness approach and physical fitness? Yeah. So that's, I wouldn't say that's within our core scope. I think that's more of a byproduct of being physically active. So we try to lead by example, um, and just being, creating a kind of friendly environment. I think that makes it safe for people to be themselves. I think if anything, um, because I mean, we're not therapists, you know, a lot of times we're, we have conversations with clients as though they think that we are therapists and there are some oversharers and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's fine. I mean, it's great that they have someone to confide in, uh, but that's not in our, our line of scope. Obviously there's therapists that are they're certified for a reason. Um, I've spent a lot of time researching that personally. Um, but I only know the path for myself. And I think that's, that's, that's where the line's drawn, right? Like I can, I can, I know the tools, I know the strategies, uh, but I don't know, uh, I can't relate a person to their path. I can direct them to resources where they can kind of draw their own conclusions or maybe find their own therapy, um, that kind of stuff. Um, but the, 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 so the scope for us really is using the physical outlet to improve mental health, which has been a key ingredient. And I think, um, I think there's new research that shows that exercise is actually more effective for populations than, than therapy. So you know, let's not try to step over the line and try to do something, be something that we're not. Let's just let the exercise do what it does and then be there for people um, kind of just as a support system. And I think that's, that's kind of our, that's probably as far as our scope goes. And it's, and it's works pretty well. That's the feedback we get from a lot of people is that it's been the most constructive thing that they've done for their mental health. Um, so I think that's, I think that's, built I think that's into perfect, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really do think, that it's worth reiterating that creating that space for people is the most important thing. I, in my opinion, it's the most important piece because if you don't, if somebody, because I, I feel it for myself and I look, look at previous experiences for me, when somebody gave me that space to be who I am, because that's when you, when I first asked that question, that's how you let it off is we allow, we create a space to allow people to be who, you know, who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, that's that space for people to be who they are is, is exactly what you need. Because unless people are who they are, they're never going to figure out what issues they have. Yeah. And, and I think an important piece of that is that you're in the driver's seat. I think we're such a, you know, I'm, I have this problem. I need someone to fix this. And that's kind of what I think people, how people frame therapy, it can be useful as like a talking environment. But the dynamic there is that this person's there to fix you, right? And I think there's different strategies. Obviously, I'm not, can't speak to the how those conversations go kind of one-on-one. But I think that's the framework for a lot of people going into that. Whereas when you're in the gym, you're the one controlling what you're doing there and you're taking the ownership. And I think that's a big part of it, you know, at least from my own experience with kind of mental health systems, my own kind of history with depression, that kind of stuff. Having that creative outlet where you you take the control and you realize that you've got the control and that your physical actions can have this total positive impact on every other aspect of your life, your relationships, your mental well-being, your longevity, your health, obviously, and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's a big part of it too. Awesome, man. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming on here. Just any resources or, or books that, kind of really stick out to you for, for, you know, impact, impacting you specifically on your leadership and your mindset. What would you, uh, what would you recommend? 
Yeah, there's been so many uh, over the years. It's it's really hard to pick one. Um, and I think like it's one of those things when you're a regular reader, there's just so much repetition and you may, might pick up a thing or two in each new book that you pick up. Um, so the ones that stand out are the ones that I've read years ago. And I think I go back to the, the law of attraction of the secret. Um, it's just a good concept and a good reminder. I think everything else, there's kind of stuff for like how to's and X's and O's of what things should look like um, in terms of the day to day. But the, the cons I've read it a few times and it's just like a good constant reminder that positivity yields positivity and gratitude yields gratitude. And all of that sets you in the framework for, you know, being motivated and bringing more positivity and success into your life. So, um, I think, and it's a simple read too. It's just a simple concept. Uh, and I think it's pretty easy to implement. Um, and I think it's something that literally no matter where you're at in your life, like no one's going to have any harm by adding more positivity in their life. Right. So, uh, so I think that's probably what I'd, what I'd go back to. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Craig, and, and for yeah, everybody for listening, I, I, you know, again, this, this, the whole idea here is, is lead yourself first, right? Put your oxygen mask on. You can't pour from an empty cup. There's lots of sayings, but hope you found some value in today's episode. Uh, Craig, where can people learn more about what you do and, and who you are and what you're all about? Uh, the podcast has been on a little bit of hiatus, but if you check out healthspan.academy, that's uh, where we got the episodes posted. So you can go back and listen to older episodes. I'm not going to Stephen going back to when we first were hosting together there, those years, all those uh, go way back. Uh, and then the website, if you're in the Guelph area, um, royalcityfitness.com is how you can reach us. And uh, yeah, and those are my two kind of main, main gigs these days. Perfect. All right. Yeah. If you're looking for a place to start your, 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 you know, fitness journey, there's the Healthspan Academy. I know that's uh, lots of great stuff in there and pick up a book and, and just, just take action and just start. So if you get anything out of this podcast, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's just taking action and, and start somewhere. So thanks for listening. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Captain's Mindset Podcast. We hope you found value in our discussion of leadership and personal development. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. Your feedback helps us improve the show and reach more listeners. Remember, everyone has the potential to be a leader in their own life. Keep working on developing a captain's mindset and leading with purpose and intention. Join us next time for more insights and tips on how to become the best version of yourself. And until then, keep navigating through the ups and downs of your life with a captain's mindset and always steer towards becoming the best version of yourself. Become the captain of your own life.